0: to none of my friends like comics is a podcast where a comic book enthusiast talks to a friend about a piece of work in the medium and we break it down to see if that friend a first-time reader will pull it or drop it i'm your host nick poffenbarger my co-host today is that old boy lance from the comic book keepers podcast how's it going man
1: it's going great. Thanks for the reinvitation, Nick. Apparently, I didn't do too bad the last time. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna say it's it's awesome to have you back. I, I think the uh, the keen eared listeners will know that uh, Lance and I talked about the first Spider Man Noir miniseries uh, from two thousand eight. Um, that was all the way back on like. It was in the 30s, I think. Episode 32, I think it was, because it was like one of the first ones of the new year. Uh, but yeah, oh, wow. so it's been it's been a little while since you've been on here. It has but, been, yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm very happy to have you back, especially talking about what we're talking about today. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun time. It's a book that I've had on here or on the list, like basically since it came out. So yeah, I'm glad that you were able to join me for this one. But uh, for those. Uh, listening that have not listened to our Spider-Man Noir episode which you should because it's really good um, or if you just for some reason haven't heard of the Comic Book Keepers Lance why don't you give us a rundown real quick about uh, the show and uh, where they can find you and all that jazz
1: Yeah, so uh, Comic Book Keepers is me and my buddy Chris. We like to do character deep dives, talk about series and just like crossovers. But most of the time it is going into an in-depth analysis about a character, their history, the creators. We give reading recommendations as well as doing like a what-if segment where we take a concept from the origin of the character, something revolving them and kind of flipping on its head, make it fun, weird, wacky. So, you know, it keeps it keeps it light. Uh, but, yeah, we do a variety of different episodes, but that's, like, our bread and butter.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we like, I've mentioned it many times on this show before, but it's a great show. You should definitely check it out. Um, I mean, you know, you and Chris... Are just some of I, I've said it before, but I mean like really just like some of the most like genuine people that I've come across in the uh like comic book podcast sphere. And it really just comes across, it's really just a pleasure to listen to every single week. So do yourself a favor and check that out if you haven't. But let's be real, you know what that is if you listen to this show. So it's fine.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> I appreciate it, man. That's that's very kind of you. Of
0: course, of course. So, so uh today, like I said, we're we're kind of hearkening back to an old well on this show a little bit. Um and that is talking about a Tom King written book. This this one being Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. So I'll go into some facts and background real quick on that. Uh, this book comes to us from DC Comics. It premiered with issue one in June of 2021 and concluded with issue eight in February of 2022. Like I said, written by Tom King, art by Bilkis Evely, colors by Matt Lopez, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Uh, for a non-spoiler description of this one, what I came up with was Supergirl, aka Kara Zor-El. Sets off to have a private celebration in a far-off galaxy one day, but little does she know, the planet she lands on is home to a young girl who is keen on honor and conviction. Uh, But when tragedy befalls this young girl, she enlists the aid of the woman of tomorrow, but things take a turn, or in this case, many turns, towards the unexpected. Uh, Throw in some John Wick and True Grit plot points, and uh, you get this book, basically. So, that's what I got for that one. Um, What what did you expect?
1: Okay, yeah, go that's ahead. a very, very, very apt analysis of this story.
0: Yeah. yeah it's a, but what did you uh, expect going into this one, Lance?
1: I thought it was going to be far more from the perspective of Kara, which it is not whatsoever it is from a completely different character which i'm assuming this is her first appearance in comics right so Ruth,
0: yeah yeah she's she's a new character um uh well you know created for this story and whatnot uh, named after tom keys tom king's niece ruthie um, and, uh, oh, and uh, she, uh, I, I think he pronounced it. I, I heard in an interview once he, he pronounced it Ruth I, which I guess I'll try to do, but I'm probably going to mess that oh, up a bunch as we go on here. But, but yeah, um, yeah, that's definitely, um, something that I kind of thought of when I was rereading it here as well, where I was like, oh yeah, this isn't from her perspective at all. She's kind of like a secondary character, which is. You know, it I you know, does and doesn't work in the benefit of the story, I think. But uh yeah, I I, I kind of um wanted to ask you as well, uh, as kind of a subset to the what were you expecting in this question. I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but are you like a Tom King guy? Like do you like like his stuff or have read a decent amount of his stuff?
1: I've only read a few so far. Like I had an absolute blast reading Mr. Miracle. Yeah. That that storyline is fantastic. I have other Works from, I, I'm sure I've read more of his work, but I have like the Rorschach book that I still need to read that's on my shelf. I have um, Human Target that's still on my shelf. I, I picked up a bunch of his work this last uh, sale at Barnes & Noble when they were doing their 50% off hardcovers. So I picked up a whole bunch of his work. So I, I'm finding that with his dialogue, there's sometimes I get lost in where it's going. I eventually get there, but especially with like... R- what are we calling? Are we just calling her Ruth for this? Or are we calling her <laughs> we, Ruth? We Ruth, can Ruth I? either
0: or. I'm going to try Ruth I, but I'm probably going to call her Ruth or Ruthie okay. most of the time. Because a couple of <laughs> times
1: in the story, Kara says Ruth and it's spelled R-U-T-H. Yes. I think yeah, she, yeah, she shortens does. it. So yeah. we can shorten it here so we don't sound ridiculous this true, entire true time. True enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's sometimes with Ruth's narration that I had to like reread certain lines to understand what she was actually trying to say because she does speak in a very how i don't even know how you describe the way she narrates it's like high high education it's proper it's very proper but from like a teenager's way of speaking properly Mm -hmm. if that
0: makes sense like a teenager trying to sound super mature type of thing yes yeah i i totally get that um and I mean, I I don't even think that—not even necessarily like a critique on on. Tom King's dialogue, but like, I mean, that's a frequent thing for a lot of people in a lot of his books. Um, in just having to like kind of like the comprehension, or maybe there's like a lot of dialogue to the point where you're like, okay, where, where is this going? You know, <laughs> that type of thing. Um, which is, you know, I, I think that when the, where he excels the most for me, uh, is stories like this, where it's, um, it's those maxi series kind of things where it's like he knows there's a beginning, middle, end. Um, I, I I remember thinking at least for me going into this book, because I did pick this up monthly. Um, I remember thinking in my head after I kind of soured on Tom King's Batman run, uh, like I was like, "Ugh, you know what? Like Omega men and Mr. Miracle, they weren't that good. Whatever. You know, like, (laughs) like just totally like turning my back on it because I was just so tired of that, of that book. And, uh, I remember the first Rorschach issue came out and I told the story on the episode we did about that book, but, (laughs) um, uh, it basically i didn't like that issue when i read it and i actually dropped the series and i didn't read it until it was all done after the fact like and it was on a very like just recommendation someone was like oh you need to read it and i was like okay fine i'll give it a shot and and i and i loved it so i know that's a hypocritical thing for me to say that i didn't like that issue because i praised the hell out of it when we did it during uh watch mania but um I I do love that book, but yeah, when I first came out, not very on board. Also, this was like right after like Heroes in Crisis, and I was not a fan of Heroes in Crisis, you know, (laughs) so so Tom Mm, King had soured on me a bit at this point, but the thing that got me to try this one was the fact that I remembered liking his uh, Superman book. It was the Walmart one that he did called Up in the Sky. And, uh, and Mm. I was like, you know what? He's, I like how he writes the super, like Superman and the Superman family. Um, it, it didn't, it wasn't like anything else that I'd seen him write before, you know, like I, like he, I thought he would try to make Superman more of like a gritty, dark, grim, dark character. Like a lot of his, uh, you know, characters end up being, and, uh, he really, he really gets Superman. I think like, I like his voice for Superman and, uh, I was just like, oh, you know, like that—that that would be neat to see him write Supergirl, and not to mention the fact that I was already familiar with the artist Bilka Sevely because um, she uh, uh, drew the rebooted Sandman universe book, The Dreaming, which was like the uh, prime title when they started that stuff back up. And I, as much as I like Size Furrier, I wasn't huge on that book, but seeing her art, I was just like, it's phenomenal. Like it's just great. And it yeah. fit, it fit that book so well too. So I was really curious to see what she would do on a more traditional superhero character like this. So I was like, oh, you know, and and yeah, I don't know. I, I that that was just me going into this one. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you though too, a uh, second part to this, uh, are you a Supergirl guy? Do you have much experience with Supergirl books? No. <laughs> okay, okay, that's that's actually good because because I, I have something I want to talk to you at the end once we get past all the story stuff. But uh, I was just wondering about that up top real quick because you know Supergirl, hey, as as well known of a character as she is, fan base is like it's there, but it's like it, it, there's there's not a lot. They're few and far between <laughs> that, that you find of people no. who are like diehard Supergirl readers. You know, so
1: yeah, my knowledge of Supergirl. F- fairly starts and stops with like Smallville version of Supergirl. There's not too much I've read from her. She's popped up in various storylines that I've read through like Superman titles or sometimes like Batman titles that that she'll pop in there. But I really haven't had much. I was not expecting her to be uh, foul mouthed like she is in this series,
0: but I I loved it. It it is such a that's one of the weirder things about this book. (laughs) Is that is that she kind of she curses and whatnot. It is kind of like, you know, just like, ah, whatever. You know, like it's it's quite a bit different from at least the stuff that I've read and and from what I can tell most people like, uh, you know, kind of identify her as typically. But but yeah, it it works in the context of this story, I think. So
1: (laughs) I just think it's hilarious that she's this she really is this like beacon of hope in the storyline. And she is showing that there can be kindness in places that are truly dark. Mm hmm but at the same time, she's also cursing up a storm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, she's I'm like, like yeah. okay. I, I, it's funny though, because they, it, Tom King gets into this in the storyline about how much trouble she gets into because of who she's related to. So, because so many people hate Superman and they don't feel like they can go after Superman. So they go after <laughs> Kara, which plays a role in the story, yeah. but it's it, so I, I, like the chip on her shoulder. And so it makes sense that she acts like that, but zero expectations for it going to that point. It, it grew on me though. I, I do want to say though, kind of going back to talking about Tom King, m- what my favorite comic book writers do is always bring this level of emotion to the story mm-hmm. and being able to really get you to connect with characters. And that's exactly what Tom does in this Mm storyline. There is a a true heart to it. There is the relationship between Kara and Ruth and her Kara really being this beacon to, to Ruth one, but then also the people that they encounter along these journeys. But at the same time, showing how much of a badass Kara is. She, we're going to get into the moments of this book, but there's some things that I did not, I, I think are probably new lore to the dc universe because of this storyline and i'm i'm curious if you know a little bit more about that but there's some there's things in here that i had zero clue about Mm -hmm. that i i'm very excited to talk about
0: yeah yeah there's a there's quite a bit and um i agree with everything that you said and i think that's a good endorsement of like the book um before we really like jump into the story proper because i do think that uh king succeeds with what he's trying to do like with Kara and and doing you know just something like with this book that I think was different than what we'd seen him do prior, you know, so I I, uh, I appreciate the book on that aspect. And um, uh, I do think um, if you don't want this spoiled, obviously, I always give the spoiler warning when we jump into the story section. But um, uh, I, I should say up top with this one, um, it, it is a recommend from from me for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, like just just as an experience and like it's just, uh, you know, even if you're, uh, even if you know Tom King from, you know, one story, this one's pretty different from from everything else that I've read of his, at least in his DC work and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, I guess with, with that being said, uh, we can go ahead and jump on into the story section. Like I said, this is where we recap the book uh, beat for beat, tell you what we thought along the way. That means full spoilers ahead. So from here on out, you've been warned. Um, I do want to preface this by saying that this series is um, very episodic in the way that it plays out. Um, it's It does kind of like that old school thing, which I appreciate where each issue is kind of its own story and can kind of just be, I mean, it all serves the greater narrative. They're all, they have like a goal, obviously, but it's like these, it's almost like, you know, the, the first and last issue and then like six vignettes, <laughs> you know, or something, <laughs> like it said, but which is, you know. But because of that, I found myself really sidetracking from the narrative and getting caught up in like the minute details of each individual issue. So with that being said, and I'm assuming that Lance agrees with this too, uh we don't want this episode to be like five hours long, so I'm gonna talk Right. <laughs> so I'm gonna break down like the first issue, more or less how I normally do on this show, but the rest of the issues will be kind of more of a brief summary while we like kind of pinpoint out some standout moments that we want to talk about you know <laughs> so
1: um yeah yeah it this this comic reminded me so much of like a like if it were a doctor who miniseries where it is very episodic mm-hmm. you have the doctor being like Kara, and then you have the companion who is ruth and they're going on these space adventures and always encountering things that are devastating but also trying to keep some lightheartedness to the narrative and and like hope and joy so if you're a doctor who fan i would strongly recommend checking out this comic book
0: yeah i'd say it's almost it's comparable in the same way to like uh you know like star trek or something where it's like you know each individual episode is like oh they have this like this problem to solve and they may be on their way to like some other you know main thread narrative but it's like oh no and here's here's the one where they got to meet these green people or whatever you know (laughs) Like, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. so uh, yeah, I guess to just jump it in here, uh, issue one uh, starts off, and we are immediately treated to the narration of our main character, Ruth or Ruth I Mary Knoll. And Ruth is a young woman, probably, like I said, uh, Lance, she pointed out, probably early teenage years, I think, um, yeah. uh, from an alien planet far away from Earth. Uh, her family are humble rock farmers with a strong sense of honor and truth, and she describes to us uh, in the past tense the inciting incident of this story. Now, the opening pages show us her father being slain by having a sword run through him by a mercenary named Krim, who claims to be from a place called the Yellow Hills. And I say that because he is constantly referred to by Ruth as Krim of the Yellow Hills in this narration. Um, that's that's just his name, I think, at this point. <laughs> but Krim uh, but, but is... That's-
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally his last name is of the yellow hills of the yellow hills
0: yes yeah, <laughs> but yeah so uh crim is a uh, king's agent um on their planet um, meaning that he works you know for the local government and whatnot and uh, and uh, he had been traveling within the outskirts of the family rock farm recently and he requested a place to stay and a meal which ruth is ruth's uh father had provided for him. Uh, However, uh, things turned sour between Krim and Ruth's father as the sun began to rise. And Ruth contemplates that Krim was sent to kind of check on local loyalty to the crown is kind of how it's explained. Like where it's like, he comes and kind of tests people and like, you know, will uh, you know, get rid of uh, the naysayers and dissent. Um, And when Ruth's father, uh, supposedly, you know, whatever conversation they had, it led to an argument which resulted in Krim killing him. So we're kind of led to, I think my first thought always goes to like, oh, like he, you know, talks some shit about the local government or whatever. You know, I think that's kind of the implication you're supposed to have, at least is that maybe he was uh, not happy with how things were being run. They seemed like a corrupt planet or something, you know. But um, yeah, even though Ruth's fa- uh, father was unarmed, uh, Krim just, you know, runs him through, leaves a sword in him. Ruth finds her father, takes the blade out of him and places it on her belt. She goes to tell her family and uh, we see them, uh, it kind of cuts a little forward and uh, they're at like the dinner table and all of her siblings are all like huffing and puffing except for Ruth and her mom. Uh, For you see, Ruth is the youngest of like this horde of siblings. Uh, I mean, if you count them on the page, there's like 10 of them. So it's like, but, uh, uh, (laughs) and they they are all like, you know, at the dinner table, like yelling and, and, you know, shouting and stuff and they're boasting about getting revenge and honor and you know like you know for doing it for their dad and whatever blah 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 but Ruth knows like these to be just kind of tantrum level threats uh, nothing they will actually act on and uh, you know she loved her father deeply though and there's like no way like she cannot get this out of her like she she wants to seek revenge and when everybody is asleep that night Ruth had like you know heads out to attempt to head out, at least, and start her quest, but she finds her mother sitting on the porch, and I, I really love this interaction between her and her mom, because um, her mom essentially is like, come on, like, why don't you sit around like your siblings and just kind of wait for justice, and Ruth basically says she doesn't believe in fairy tales, so her mom is just like, okay, take your dad's horse, good luck.
1: Yeah, it's like, take your dad's horse, I don't like that horse. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And it was just like, okay. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, like, Ruth just goes off. She rides into town and uh, hunts down the most, like, badass cell sword she can find. Um, this It's this big hulking dude, um, uh, you know, is sitting with her at this, like, bar. And uh, she makes her pitch saying uh, she doesn't have a lot of money, but Krim's sword that she has is, like, a really fine blade. So that would, like, pay for the job. Uh, the guy agrees, and he takes the sword, telling her that it will be done so she can just kind of go home. But Ruth is like, that's not part of the deal. Like, I, I have to see it done. Uh, he tells her to go off again. Uh, but when she refuses to concede, he actually hits her to the ground. Like, she's like, y- you know, I just will not, you know, stop following him. And uh, he starts to walk off. He takes a sword, says the job will be done. Uh, but he is stopped by Kara zor Supergirl. But she's wasted. And you're like... <laughs> So we kind of get the backstory uh, for why she's here sprinkled in this issue in the next one. But basically, the explanation is Supergirl came to this faraway galaxy where there's a red sun. Thereby, it depowers her and she could feel the effects of alcohol or drinking so she wanted to get wasted or get drunk you know and
1: (laughs) yeah she she was turning 21 so she she waited she waited till the legal earth limit and then went to another planet you know to get drunk yeah as one does yeah as a kryptonian
0: because famously they can't krypton kryptonians at least powered on the earth cannot get drunk so it's like uh, yeah uh, you know she just wanted to go go have a little little shindig party so she packed up crypto on a ship and came here Uh, crypto the super dog for those of you you don't know he's a he's a dog and he's from krypton and he has superpowers (laughs) and that's that's it i don't know
1: have you uh, seen super pets just watch super pets you learn about crypto
0: exactly yeah but she ends up uh beating this uh sword guy up uh, when he won't back down, she takes the sword, but she promptly like just passes out. So Ruth actually tends to her, puts her up in a room. And when Supergirl wakes up the next morning, she is hungover, And Ruth is uh, almost immediately bombards her with the offer after thanking her for helping her last night. And I love her. I just got to quote what she says, because she says, I am Ruth Mary Knoll and I am witness to your skill and bravery. I would like to hire you to kill Crim of the yellow Hills, the chesting Kings agent or the cheating Kings agent who slew my father and left him in the dirt have you interest in such an arrangement? And I figure I could bring it up here. We already mentioned it, but uh this is a pretty tame example, but Ruth talks like this the whole book. Like I said, the whole time. Yeah. Very proper and ever explaining. Uh Yeah. I don't know. What did you like? What was your honest opinion when you first like read it? What, what did you think of how she speaks? Cause it's a lot in the first few issues, like a lot of narration. <laughs>
1: It's it's a lot in all of the issues. <laughs> I like like I said, I had to reread what she said quite a few times to get it. It also might have been the fact that I'm sleep deprived because my daughter was sick this week. Yeah, so I had so to you're like, like
0: what is happening.
1: <laughs> I was I was functioning on like fifteen percent mental capacity <laughs> when I was doing this, so I might blame it on that. <laughs> That's but bad. it it is harder to read because it is like so proper. Yeah, uh, but it i was worried in the beginning that it was going to annoy me but as i got to know the character more it just kind of flowed well, like once you understand the way she speaks it it goes a lot smoother
0: i kind of noticed too like she as the story goes on and i realized this is her recounting it like in you know from you know she talks about things in the past tense so it's like she's talking to us from the now or the future or whatever and i think that um it changes though, as the issues go on, like she starts speaking a bit more regular fluent as the story goes on. And maybe that's because her character opens up more, but like in these first couple issues, it very much reminds me of like how he wrote the vision family and stuff like that. Like very robotic, very like, you know, just like, you know, spouting the information and the necessary text. And like, it's uh it's yeah, it can be a little overwhelming. And like, especially like I said, the first couple issues. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, uh, side note, like I, I do like how she talks and was pretty into it issue to issue, especially when this was coming out monthly. But reading the entire book or, or at least like attempting to try to do it in, in like a single sitting is a bit exhausting. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I was I was capping out around three issues, you know, and then I'd need to take a break and then come back and read the next three like the next day or something like that, you know, but uh, but yeah, anyway, we, we jump forward to Supergirl and Crypto, and uh, they're taking a rowboat across a lake on the planet, and Ruth has followed her, still trying to persuade Kara to take the job, but Kara says uh, she can't help her for, you know, she's leaving, and and she's not like a bounty hunter, you know, and uh, she coyly tells Ruth that uh, she shouldn't kill people because it's bad. Like, that's a direct quote, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and uh, she begins to row across this lake to her ship with crypto. Uh, Ruth, distraught and feeling Destiny kind of slipping away from her, does the Samwise Gamgee move and uh, goes to swim the entirety of the body of water to follow Kara. And uh, I, I really love that scene. That's the first scene where you're like, oh, I can really get behind like this girl. You know, like, it's like, I, I understand her character and what this means to her. It's a, It's an effective way of showing that, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like th- this woman is absolutely determined to get help. And she sees Kara as the the person that can get
0: it done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, Kara, you know, sees her come back onto the shore, like by her ship and, um, uh, you know. Emerges from it and is a you know, like I guess the ship is like about to take off. It's like you know booting up and stuff. And she tells Ruth that she has to go home. And Ruth gives her the same blurb I quoted earlier. And Kara is you know she's kind of sympathetic at this point, and she just she still tells Ruth no, but she tries to tell her that you know she should seek out justice, not vengeance. And she says that she understands her anger, but it's like her mother used to say, "Life is about compassion, not fury." And this really breaks Ruth, who yells at her, telling her you understand. You don't understand a damn thing. I didn't lose somebody. I lost my blessed father who was my heart. I will never see him again. Not on my bridal day or any other. He's gone. And that flighty talk or all that flighty talk of compassion and fury, that'd be dandy if you were living on a ground that you know will stand solid, but I lost my world. And so before we get to the climax of like this first issue, I just have to say, I love this interaction. Uh, it informs both of their characters really well, I think, and also... Very much so. It, it also kind of made me think uh, about the fact that we haven't had a lot of, or at least I haven't read a lot of, like, really great, like, father-daughter stories in the last several years that I can really recall, you know? Um, I, I really like that aspect. It just feels like something you don't see as often, um and uh and and I just love Ruth's Ruth's character being so like dedicated to like her dad and her dad meeting so much to her it was like oh that's 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 nice I like that you know um yeah, yeah very heartwarming yeah yeah and it's like yeah her words uh you know kind of they start to trail off and she starts to cry and Kara says to herself that she came here to forget about her own problems and then she shot uh through the chest with an arrow by Krim. And it turns out that that disgruntled cell uh, sword mercenary guy found Krim himself, and they just teamed up for payback. Uh, Kara falls to the ground, and Crypto starts to growl at Krim, who also fires at Crypto, wounding him severely. Uh, this prompts Kara to get back up. She walks right up to them. She's getting shot with more hours. It's a super badass moment. <laughs> for, yeah, for it's Kara. great. But um, uh, you know, and uh, she grabs the mercenary's blade and like just barehanded punches him out. You know, her hands bleeding and stuff. And uh, Krim begins to run for Kara's ship. Which Kara would have stopped, but she instead runs to tend to Crypto because she's worried about him. Ruth is knocked out of Krim's way when she tries to, like, you know, run him through real quick. Um, uh, And uh, he escapes as uh, Kara, Crypto, and Ruth just lay in their own blood pretty much. Um, And he took her ship. So she she can't do anything. So issue two here jumps forward a little bit initially. Uh, We see Ruth and Kara on what is essentially a space Greyhound bus. it's kind of a funny issue (laughs) but um, yeah yeah. uh, but with with Kara's ship being gone and her powers being greatly diminished this was their best option to follow Krim into the stars where he went Uh, this issue is packed with moments that kind of um, really zero in on Supergirl's kindness Uh, there's a particular scene where she patiently teaches Ruth how to wash her hands since like she is unfamiliar with the concept like she doesn't you know she's never done that before so uh and in the climax of the issue sees kara fight a space dragon using red kryptonite to temporarily power her up and okay a little explanation there red kryptonite uh is it's been known to do a lot of things like you know if you count like the golden and silver age stuff but like here they explain it basically in like the the common terms of saying that it it can transform kryptonians and basically makes them go like kind of nuts you know <laughs> like uh <laughs> it, it's used it, and in this story in particular tom king like has like a character on the bus who has it as if it's like this kind of like cd drug that people take like which i thought was kind of interesting you know <laughs> but uh but yeah like uh, also jesus like speaking of her fighting this space dragon like if you weren't sold on Bilkis Evely's art by this point in the story, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you don't think Supergirl with flame wings fighting a blue space dragon is awesome, like, we just we just don't have the same taste. <laughs> I don't know.
1: If you don't like that, you're doing comics wrong.
0: I mean, yeah, dude, but I mean, yeah, like, this is the... I, I knew that she was great, but this was the issue I remember reading and just being like seeing the dragon and stuff and just like molding, it's like an energy dragon in space and stuff. And it's just so beautiful looking and it just, it's awesome. Like, it's-
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's stunning. It, I was really impressed. I feel like this might be the first thing, I've seen from Bocus Eveli yeah. before so I, I I'm a huge fan now I want to read far more stories that they're working on because it, this it, was amazing
0: it like instantly made me like look up what else she had done like because all I knew her from was the dreaming and I was just like I, I gotta know what else she's done because like yeah she's just she's great but um so you know it, basically the the issue goes on to show that you know they go about you know, space on a quirky bus and the the issue ends with Ruth recounting how they kind of started their journey, and it turns out that Krim's arrows were laced with a specific poison, one that people can recover from relatively easy, like people, like you know, hence Kara, Crypto, however, though, is in bad shape, and an antidote can't be made unless if the nice mender that they found on her planet can get a sample of the poison to, you know, create the antidote. Uh so Kara asks Ruth if her offer still stood to hunt down and find Krim. And Ruth reiterates that she wants him dead and Kara kind of reluctantly joins so that she can help Crypto. And uh the third uh, yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much that issue, you know, for the most part. But what would yeah. you think of that one?
1: I I enjoyed it. I like I mean Space Dragon Fight. Yeah. Super in. <laughs> the, oh, in. I was I was confused just because a lot of like the color schemes they tr- the comics tend to keep like in line, so at, at one point in the storyline we're going to get to the point where there's a green sun which is like kryptonite and it's going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff whereas her being under the red sun takes away her powers but then taking a red kryptonite pill like gave her all these extra powers i was like where was the continuity when all these decisions were being made about the red sun depowers, but red kryptonite oh that's the stuff that you want to be taken let's get nuts
0: i have no idea they they, like it's like I, I would hate to be, like, a long-term Superman fan, like, if I was a fan of, from, like, the golden age, like, all the way now, because yeah. I'd just be like, all this information that I probably have and obsessively keep up with is totally useless because stories like this come out and just do whatever with them anyway, so it's like, who cares? Right. <laughs> but, yeah, at least Tom King bothers to actually sort of explain what he's using it for <laughs> at this point.
1: Right. <laughs> but- there, like, you can't, you can't take, like, kryptonite colors too seriously because... I'm pretty sure that at one point in the comics there was pink kryptonite, and pink kry- kryptonite made Superman gay. <laughs> not Jesus kidding.
0: Christ.
1: Yeah, so yeah, not so... the greatest story <laughs> yeah. to be told there. <laughs> and and I just I had to double check it. And yeah, like pink kryptonite is a type of kryptonite that seemingly turns Kryptonians gay. So that story wouldn't be made today because yeah. yikes.
0: Huh. I never knew that. That's
1: insane. Yeah not not great
0: That's insane but somehow it. also not surprising with how much they've done with kryptonite <laughs> yeah they're, they're like what else can we do with yeah. this stuff i don't know this one does your taxes like i don't know you know <laughs> it's fine, but, yeah. but yeah so moving on to the uh, the third issue is a pretty self-contained story um Our pair end up on a planet with a bunch of yuppie, like, suburban aliens, basically. This one has, like, an X-Files vibe where, like, some weird shit is clearly going on in this town that they go to, but they get no answers, especially when they ask if Krim ever came through here. Um, There are some racial and class system issues as well. Um, For every alien that they meet and they have a weird interaction with, the aliens that they've been meeting are all blue. Uh, But there is documentation that they come across and, and covered up signs and stuff like indicating that there are also purple people indigenous to this planet. Um, and the blues, though, whenever like they actually talk about the purples, they either just avoid it or uh, or or they talk down about them. So they're viewed as like a lower class citizens who kind of live outside the city in like a slum. And uh, when they do come to town, they're like segregated in every way. Like one of the signs that Kara sees covered up is uh, basically dictating that, like it was like essentially like a water fountain or something along that line that just said like a uh, purples only or blues only or something like that. And uh, so. You got all that going on. Um, we then come to find out through the issue that Krim did indeed come like through this town. Uh, he was arrested. Uh, you know, just for like fighting at a bar or something like that, and he uh, got drunk. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it, it basically, so he's he's in prison by the local government until news of like some raiders comes in. Uh, basically, the aliens know that they don't stand a chance against these like raiders. Like, you know, they're like these like professional like level like destructive pirates. Um, they're malicious, bloodthirsty assholes who just like to pillage. Places, and this group in particular is called uh, Barban's Brigands. I'm going to call them the Brigands most of the time, but um, uh, and you know they're dicks. But when Krim hears about this, he uh, he starts to talk to you know the government and the police, and he's like, "Hey, I'm a dick too, and uh, I can get you out of this because I could talk dick to them, basically." And uh, they trust him, and basically he helps broker a deal where the Blues offer up the Purple People's Town as like. Like if leave us alone, but you can have them type of thing, and and they just slaughter them all. And Kara is obviously taken back by the brutality, and this kind of opens Ruth's eyes to the true horrors of the universe. And uh, she ends the issue like just kind of freaked out. They're sitting there on like this like stoop, and uh, she tells Kara in a moment of realization, "It's too big. We're too small." And yeah, this one, I think it's a very good issue. Um, sorry I skimmed it so much and didn't go super in depth because it's worth a read, but it's basically a whole other story within this story. Uh, what'd you think of this one, Lance?
1: I love this issue. This yeah. issue was so great. I So once they start realizing something was going on because Kara's like using x-ray vision. She's seeing l- things that have been painted over that say, basically say like no purples allowed. And so clearly there was another race at some point here. So Kara starts to fly around and she uses her x-ray, x-ray vision. And she finds out on the outskirts of the town the sign that says purple, purple town. And in the narration, Ruth is like, and she kept digging and then she found the bodies. And there's just mass grave. It's a huge mass grave with all the purple people, yeah. which is what leads to the confrontation when Supergirl goes back to the town. She, I think it's the mayor. The mayor that guy, she, yeah. 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 And, and then he basically reveals all this information that Nick just relayed. Yeah, about
0: him, so, And, and t- so they know that he was indeed through there and that's what happened. Right. And yeah. Now yeah.
1: Because the, yeah. the whole point of this of the brigands group is that they just love to cause absolute chaos and mayhem they love to cause dread terror horror and so when they go to a location it's basically like they you either have to pay them an ungodly amount of money to move on to the next group or offer things up and that's what happened so these people offered up purple town as well as crem being like oh i'm Also love doing this stuff too. Let me join you and let's go kill a whole bunch of people on other planets too. Yeah. Which is now where Krem is in the storyline. He's with the brigands.
0: Yeah. So they're chasing basically a space pirate ship. (laughs) It's like, uh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I think that the establishing of that, um, is really well done in this issue. I also just, uh, I also just like the issue for its own kind of standalone story about, you know, Supergirl encountering like a problem like this. It's just, uh, it's good, you know, um, you know, unfortunately like, you know, has, has real world counterparts, but it's like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just a good kind of issue where it, you know, addresses some, you know, social issues that we can relate to in our daily lives and, and puts it into perspective in a, in a neat way for, you know, a superhero comic, I think. So, uh, but yeah, Yeah. um, yeah. Issue four, uh, is basically a big old montage of our duo getting closer and closer to Krim as they follow the brigands, you know, now trail of destruction. Uh, we get a lot of very super, super girl moments here. Um, her compassion and willingness to help others is like on full display. Uh, Ruth constantly remarks like on her Demeter in the narration. Like she is like, you know, this great legend. And, uh, you can tell that their bond like at this point is like strengthening. Cause we don't necessarily know how long they've been together on this journey, but we can assume it's been a while, you know? <laughs> so it's like, uh, they're, they're, they're becoming, you know, close, uh, we see them help um you know just a couple of the examples of what they go through here but um uh, we see they help a uh, dying alien who was hurt by Krim by feeding him like basically in his uh, hospice care um, after his friend was killed by Krim and stuff and my my favorite, uh, moment is when Kara actually helps a poor old alien by quickly organizing and burying all of the, uh, fallen people from his town. Um, which, you know, and, and it's sad, like at one point, you know, he's like, he's, he's like, I've, I found out like, I can find my daughter if I, if I get through all these people. And, uh, it's a really great moment, um, where she kind of is just, you know, very respectful of, of him and for what he's doing. And then like, uh, but offers to help and, and does it, you know, in a way that, you know, Caused him a lot less grief, which is nice. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, I
1: that yeah. that moment really stands out because so he's obviously like doing one grave at a time, moving at the average speed of an individual, and he's like so, an
0: older guy too, like right, yeah.
1: It, and the whole thing is, is he's doing it because he knows that his daughter's remains are in this field, but everything's so messed up that they aren't able to tell whose is what, yeah, a, at all. And so Kara quickly like does the super. Speed thing, digs all the graves and puts everyone to rest, comes back and says, oh, by the way, I scanned your like DNA, DNA yeah, so earlier. She she- and yes. And so she had found his daughter and he's she's like, I can do this next thing and then I can take you to her grave. Or if you want to go to her grave now, we can do that, too. So there's, there's just these layers of ways she's helping not only like the physical side of things to make burden a little bit less. She's also alleviating the emotional st- strain that people are going through and mm-hmm. being able to get closure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very sweet moment. Um, it's, it's, it's probably like my favorite, just straight up like Supergirl moment in the book, <laughs> I think. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Um, uh, you know, they, uh, they eventually at one point after that, uh, they end up on a planet that houses uh, information that brings them, Uh, the closest they have been to catching up to Krim and after basically bearing witness to what Krim and the brigands have done Kara finally reaches a yellow sun and she soaks the energy to replenish her powers and the issue ends with a uh, brief argument between Kara and Ruth Um, Kara knows they are close to finding Krim basically probably going to be on the next planet so she opts to send Ruth home at this point and Ruth obviously opposes this and tells her that she can't treat her like a toddler. And she asks here, uh, how old Kara was when she first saw terror and Kara pauses and says that she was a girl to which Ruth replies, you were a girl fine. And what then am I? And without saying anything, Kara just puts Ruth on her back and they fly off. And it's like, it's yeah. a very nice, uh, Character informed moment as well. Yeah, superpower piggyback. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they do that a few times in this book, which is fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, issue five. Um, I think this may be my favorite issue. Um, it's fairly simple. Our duo catches up with Krem, but he has a plan for them. He uses a magical item called a Mordru Globe. Um, so, what is that uh, in the story? What they explain is uh, a it's a sphere that has the ability to transport anybody anywhere. Uh, So if you get it thrown at you, they can send you wherever they want, you know, and uh, the cost, though, the reason that these are so rare uh, is that to, in order to manifest that ability with the Mordru globe, the caster must have the blood of thousands on their hands, which Krim does. And he's one of the few that does. <laughs> so it's yeah. Like, yeah. And it's not even
1: it's not even the fact that you have to have the blood of thousands. It's you have to have. You have to kill that many people yeah. with the intention of making a Mordru globe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like that's the whole thing about it. Like, like it's it. Yeah. That's just, yeah. So it's like, he, he's obviously done even more than that, which is insane. But yeah, like, uh, the Mordru globe is interesting too, because Mordru is like an old school, I think maybe from the golden age. I think it's probably silver age character. But Mordred was like a sorcerer that fought like you know the the super family and whatnot, and so I think this is like a this is some kind of reference, but I'm, I'm not you a, a callback. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not a thousand percent sure exactly. Maybe he's maybe he's referencing like an old ass issue I've never read. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. So basically, he catches Kara and Ruth off guard, throws the globe at them, and it takes them to a planet called Baranton. And speaking of references, what is Baranton? It's a manufactured planet that was made to trap Superman, and the catch it orbits a green sun which lance was talking about earlier which is sickening to kryptonians because it's like kryptonite i really love this pull from older continuity like it's yes, just one of those same. old like ridiculous superman stories but but yeah i i i love too how it's explained here that when superman got trapped here he said it was the closest to death that he ever felt and he was only there for 45 minutes
1: Because the Justice League came and saved him.
0: Yes, yeah. So this is a problem, though, because as our duo lands there, the sun just came up. So they have at least 10 hours before Car's abilities will resurface and they can leave if she survives through that. Um, So another problem is that the planet is filled with deadly dinosaurs like alien dinosaur creatures and so most of the issue is ruth protecting kara from harm as she lays down in like a constant state of sickening pain like coming in and out of sleep um you know like i said as she comes like kind of in and out of consciousness ruth indulges in remembering a few instances where they were attacked basically and uh she like fends off a beast by herself at first um at one point they get attacked by like uh like vulture kind of uh, pterodactyls and um she like at the last minute is able to like wake Kara up and she like instantly just like eye lasers them and, but is then like confused and passes back out and stuff. And, uh, then like well, uh,
1: that, that <laughs> part is so funny because she like wakes up lasers and she's like, is that a bird? Is that a plane? Yeah. And then like passes back yeah, out. Yeah, again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. moment. But yeah, like they're like uh, r- the, you know, they, they make it through all that. And then right at sundown, a huge gross, um, like basically, like alien T Rex. Um, she uh, Ruth describes it as a leviathan, which is cool. <laughs> but uh, just comes for them. Uh, luckily though, the sun does go down. Uh, and Kara zips into action, and she saves them both. Uh, I love this issue and how they like save each other a bunch of times. Um, just a great kind of. It's it's the stop and rest moment that gives us more uh, character development, you know. It's a uh, it's it's just some some good stuff. I don't know, but uh, they they fly off into the spit uh, off into space, you know, as the issue ends. And uh, Kara says that <laughs> Kara basically calls Superman Kal El a, a bitch for only lasting yes. forty five minutes. Um, <laughs> and this is kind of that moment you were talking about how she how she curses and whatnot. Uh, not sure that I I like crass Kara in this book as much as other versions, but I do like that line where she. She calls out Clark for, you know, it's just like not only lasting 45 minutes. I do think that's funny. But yeah, the crassness of Kara is is kind of shocking and just kind of. Yeah, it does take me out every so often when it when it happens, you know, but uh, but, you know, it, it does work. And, and most of the time it will make me laugh at least. <laughs> but,
1: yeah, it, it is funny, but it definitely like it, it catches me off guard. Absolutely. Just for the the way I've always imagined the character being, Mm -hmm. and honestly, the way she acts, it catches me off guard. But that's probably the whole point of why Tom King included it is because... He wants you to be shocked by her attitude like she she's this rounded character. She's not just this image of a perfect being. She's going to have flaws. And one of her flaws is she curses up a storm.
0: Yeah. And well, and I think I think it's just one of the examples of I think I think sort of like his mission statement for this was, hey, you know, like Supergirl has been reinterpreted so many times. It's never consistent and it never lasts. Let's actually try something that like really differentiates her from Clark or makes her her own thing a bit more and I, and I don't think it's a bad way to go about it you know it's it's just like we were saying it's just it's a little jarring at first when, when you know what yeah. you know about her you know beforehand but um but yeah uh so going on to uh issue six now um issue six is sort of like a retcon origin issue for Kara uh we see the destruction of Krypton and Argo City um but the the issue kind of in Ruth's uh narration it kind of has like a mission statement where it's like you know about the destruction of Krypton, but now we're seeing it from her view, kind of like the first time thing, you know? So, uh, oh, and I guess I should say, I just said Argo City, like everyone knows what that is. But uh, Argo City is, um, uh, is a planet on Krypton that, you know, Kara and uh, her parents lived on. And um, how they kind of figured out how there would still be another Kryptonian back in, you know, the crazy golden age stuff. Um, They said, oh, well, actually, when Krypton blew up, uh, Argo City just kind of was still together. And... Her father was so smart and a great scientist, he built a dome over it so they could survive and float through for a while until eventually that city also blew up. But they sent Kara away in a rocket, much like her cousin. (laughs) Yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, this goofy... Crazy situation, but like, you know, we're seeing it in like the reality of like what she went through in this, and Tom King's going to indulge us a bit more. So, this retconned origin also is simultaneously told while we see Kara once again confront Krim, who throws another Mordru globe at her, and he tells her that no man or woman can outrun it. So, she grabs a horse comet the super horse now that's another super old poll this is a silver age character there's two versions of of comet uh the original used to be a centaur who was accidentally turned full horse by cersei the goddess uh the second is a guy who can shapeshift and is then cursed to be only a horse for a while and (laughs) and he loves Kara and stuff i know it's it like sorry to skim but just go with it. <laughs> anyway. So ba- basically, he's a horse that flies through space. But uh, Kara tells Comet to take them to the end of the universe and then a little further as the Mordru globe flies after them. And uh, the modern day story, that whole thing, you know, is told in all these like crazy cool splash pages and stuff. And uh, it ends when Comet and Kara get to the end of the universe and they enter this white abyss which is like just black and white like pages and it's re- it looks really cool when she it looks great yeah Loved it. like it's uh and uh it basically the Mordru globe for whatever reason in this realm it just stops like it can't seem to move and she just kind of pops it like a bubble like rendering it useless <laughs> and uh in the flashback we see all of the trauma and the hardships that she endured as krypton died And uh, she mentions how, like, specifically, I don't know if they ever put an exact age on it, but she said that she was 14 when she had to watch Mm -hmm. her entire race die, including her own mother. And you know, through all the solutions because like they're panicking because the city underneath like the rubble is kryptonite. So it's like, it's poisoning them even though they're like found a way to s- kind of survive. Like it's, it's like they're all going to die anyway. So, you know, she works tirelessly following her scientist father instructions to try and save as many people as they could. But there was really like at the end of the day, no helping anybody survive. Um, If they, if they weren't killed on Krypton, they were poisoned by radiation as Argo city floated through space. Uh, so her father eventually opted to salvage some of the materials that they have in the city, and he could put it together for to make a rocket for one person, like, you know, so Kara would be saved because she had yet to fall to any of the poisoning. Um, everybody else kind of just died out, and she was sent to Earth where her baby cousin landed. And the issue then ends with Supergirl and Ruth confronting Krim. He has nowhere to hide and his friends can't help him. And he fires an arrow and Supergirl catches it with a smile on her face. Um, uh, Yeah, I like just knowing uh, Supergirl's origin, I I really dug this like uh, look into it, you know, like making it more kind of realistic, I guess you could say like an you know, realistic is in like life experience of like actually having experienced something like that, (laughs) you know, like it's uh, a, it's, it's a, it's, it's a really cool issue for that. Um, I I think even if, uh, even if you're a Supergirl fan and like, you don't, if you don't like how Tom King writes her, like, you know, with the cursing and stuff like that, like this issue is, is very well done.
1: Yeah. I think that I, I really think that this storyline takes off like issue six, seven and eight, just crush it. I like, I, I love six, like being on the planet Like being on Barrington with all the monsters and Kara being sickened by the the green sun. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. This issue I loved because it it got into where I thought, like even in my own mind, was that Krypton blew up. It was done immediately. Mm -hmm. But now we get this perspective from Kara saying Krypton didn't just blow up in a day it like died over time so they get into this dome there's like you mentioned the floor is poisoning them so Kara has witnessed the destruction of the majority of Krypton there's only a few people left they're being poisoned by where they're standing and so they start to build this floor with a, like what Was it like iron it was lead, lead,
0: uh, like, lead, yeah,
1: lead Yeah okay yeah. yeah so they're using lead To basically hammer down Into the floor So that people won't get sick anymore mm-hmm. And Kara kept going She At one point She was the only one That was able to keep going And at, again she's a teenager And she's like No I have to keep going So that just shows Her perseverance mm-hmm. And then Meteors start to come down and break up the lead. Yeah. And so 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 she has to start – she starts to see everyone get poisoned again. And a line that I loved where she – I don't know the exact ring, but she's like, I had to watch my planet be destroyed three times Mm -hmm. because it was destruction of the planet, poisoning, poisoning again. So she had to deal with all this nonsense and that's when her dad then builds that ship so then she can get out of there because she's basically – The only the only chance of survival for the planet because she's the only one that's really hasn't been infected.
0: Yeah. And I think I think because we see her perspective on this, like essentially for the first time, the first like real time of this depth, you know, um, this justifies Her difference in personality, I think, like in this story, like, you know, more so than anything else, because like it's Tom being like, no, this is why she's like this. Like, you know, it's like she has to be that way to kind of mentally deal with that. Like Clark didn't see this happen. You know, like he was raised in a nice like for all intents and purposes, a great environment, you know, so it's like it's uh, you know, he didn't go through this. And uh, and that is something that like they've played with before in like regular continuity over the years, even in the last like 20, I'd say more so than before. But like. It, it never comes off as more than like just like a snide comment from her or like a moment where they're trying to get Supergirl over. Like it's like, oh, look how look how badass she is. Like she did go through worse, but they never really go into that or show it. And all they really do is just like, say, give her a moment where it's like, oh, look at her beat up a bunch of people and she's, she's awesome too or whatever. And it's like, this is like, no, like, it, like this really delves into it. And I really appreciate that a lot. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. One thing I did want to bring up that I completely forgot. I took a screenshot of it, but yeah. I think there's a piece of it missing. Maybe it's over here, but there's when it's Ruth, that's talking about like the true power of Kara and what it is. It's like, her, she talks about her restraint so yeah. like in, at this point, Ruth says, you see, what is not well understood about the daughter of Krypton is that her power was not one of action, but one of restraint, endurance and passion. She did not choose to fire a beam from her eyes or have breath of ice or run faster than a speeding bullet. No, she held back her heat vision to look you in the face. She warmed her breath to converse with you. She slowed herself to walk by your side every moment of every day. She suppressed the forces churning inside of her. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. narration.
0: I love that descriptor. Yeah, it's like because I mean they they I mean that is that's something that they like to do with super characters, and I always really like that. Like, obviously, I've I've read more Superman stories than I have Supergirl, but like, there's always those moments where it's like, yeah, it's like you know he has to be really delicate to like pick up a cup or whatever, you know, or yeah. something like that. Like it's or
1: yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> same thing with Flash. Like f- like Flash going. Slow is almost like agonizing for him to like live at a human's pace
0: yeah i i like those i like those uh moments for like you know especially these like just crazy powered beings who like you know it makes them more endearing because it's like oh they're like they're constantly trying like that's that's how much that's how good of a person they are, how much self control they have you know and stuff and it's uh yeah i do, i i really dug that descriptor as well it was really cool but yeah, so jump am gonna do old issue seven, the penultimate issue uh is uh i think this one's really cool because um It constantly jumps between uh, two kind of simultaneous events. Uh, We see that ruth supergirl and comet successfully apprehended Krim at the end of the last issue but he hasn't given up the secrets of the poison that he used so that they can go and save crypto so they have him alive uh the brigands actually follow on their insane like pirate spaceship we gotta talk about this design real quick because holy shit it's so cool like just like so great wooden spikes and crazy gleaming weaponry like riding the blackness of space and it's like it's a full page spread when you first see it and it's just like God, it, it looks it looks great.
1: <laughs> the fantastic space pirate design.
0: Yes, it's 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 incredible. But, but yeah, like uh, basically, uh, the the brigands we we discover they, they have an honor code among each other. So you know they're like, oh, if one of us gets captured, like we go full force and and go after them. So they're they're trying to come and save Krim. Uh, so one side of the story is Supergirl confronting them, like right outside the atmosphere of the planet that they landed on. Um, the other is Ruth down by a cove with Comet guarding Krim, who was bound to a tree and gagged. Uh, Ruth actually, through like a series of thoughts and conversation with Comet, uh, manipulates Comet into letting her take Krim's gag out, Uh, kind of creating a tense conversation where he openly admits that her father actually never spoke ill of like their home kingdom or anything like that. Um, He actually defended its honor to Krim, but when Krim's insecurities kind of came out, in that conversation he couldn't stand the thought of some peasant rock farmer just thinking that he was better than him so that's why he uh gutted him basically uh what'd you yeah. think of this reveal
1: i think Krem has a napoleon
0: complex he definitely does yeah but it's like it's it i i don't know why because i mean like even rereading it this time like i i had already read the story but i forgot that little detail like it, and when i read the first issue i was like oh uh yeah, maybe he, he like talked crap on the king or whatever, I don't remember. And then I was like, "Oh no, he was like a he was like a good faithful guy." <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, uh, Crims even a bigger piece of shit apparently. Yeah, he's
1: <laughs> even worse than what you thought previously. He's horrible. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, at, at this point, you know, after he tells Ruth that, he he just, you know, continues to insult her and berate her like saying basically she's weak for being sentimental and for being a girl. Uh, he remarks on how either like He's like, look, this is going to play out one of two ways. Either my pirate friends are going to save me or Supergirl will defeat them, but that's fine because she doesn't kill people. Like, I got nothing to worry about, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And uh, up in the sky, we see Supergirl fights this, like, brutal battle that actually has her on the ropes. Uh, The brigands actually get her in on these kryptonite lace chains, and they obtained, like, a bullet-sized amount that they're going to, like, shoot at her and kill her. And uh, in their reveling... Supergirl like starts talking and uh, they think it's just like insane nonsense because she's not like responding appropriately to whatever they're saying. And it turns out, though, she's actually talking to Comet, uh, telling him not to come save her. And but back down on the beach, Comet is freaking out because he's hearing her talk and Ruth convinces him that uh, she's like, I won't do anything to Krim. Uh, and, and, you know, you can go help Kara. And uh, as the issue ends, she thinks about how guilty she feels for lying to him, and she draws her sword while staring at the defenseless Krim. It's pretty, pretty awesome ending to that issue. I think. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great.
1: Just, yeah. What was the line she said? She's like. You don't feel great about lying to a horse, but you get over it pretty fast.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, "It's it makes you feel much worse than you would think or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, so the eighth and final issue uh, picks up right there. Uh, Ruth holds the sword to Krem's throat. They spar with words for a while and Ruth decides uh, this is kind of an unjust thing. Uh, she is uh, She's not an executioner. Uh, she wants to best him, basically, in an honorable way. So she cuts him free. And places the sword, like, that they have, you know, they only got the one sword, in the ground at equal distance between them. So then they both go for it. Krim actually gets the sword, but he dives at it to do so. So using, like, everything that she's learned, Ruth basically beats the hell out of him. Like, like she just yeah. starts kicking his She kicks face. him in the face. Yeah, and, like, and it, she outsmarts him with every move, and uh, she gains the sword back, you know, and uh, up on the ship comet arrives with an angry explosive attack on the pirates Uh, he takes the bullet the kryptonite bullet for kara and he (laughs) inexplicably turns into a man and collapses yes dying uh so that's what i was talking about earlier with um comet being uh a man a shapeshifter man sometimes cursed to be a horse. that's the version that they're going with in this one, um, right? But uh, how it, which is interesting were you because when that happened,
1: <laughs> oh, oh, I, I literally was like, oh no, comet! And I was like, oh, comet! What is, <laughs> what is happening? happening to you? And, because because he starts to morph, and, and he, I think this is an homage to him having been a centaur, because you see, literally, as he's transitioning, the top half becomes human first, top half first. and yeah. then the horse, uh-huh, and then yeah. he becomes full human. And then he like looks lovingly at Kara as he like falls to the ground and dies. He also looks a strikingly amount like Kara. It, yeah. it is like if you if you look at this panel, it looks like she's looking in the mirror of a male version of herself.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I totally get that. They have very similar designs of I, I think, oh, man, I, I didn't really know this until this series came out. You know, like, I, I I, I have, like, a vague thing where I remember looking up, like, all the super pets at one point, and I remember Comet the horse, and I remember there being a blurb that I read, and the only thing I knew was Comet the horse was also a guy and it loved Kara. And I was like, that's weird. And I never looked into it ever again. And (laughs) and so so I didn't know anything like really about Comet, you know, and so like when he showed up here, I was like, oh, that's a fun reference. It's nice that they have the horse. But then he like actually turns into a dude. And I was like... Oh my God. I was like, they're going full fledged with it. <laughs> like, you know, but but I remember reading this issue and being like, what is happening until she explains it later, obviously. But yeah, it's like, yeah. like, he's a dude apparently, but yeah. So, uh, but you know, Comet uh, dying, sacrificing himself for Kara. Uh, she gets so distraught with rage and sadness that she just wrecks the chains and the pirates along with them. Uh, and then we cut back onto the shore and Ruth recites a speech that a speech she had been thinking up the entire trip to tell Karim. Uh And basically I won't quote the whole thing cause it's really long, but it's a, it tells the story of, you know, her father and how honorable he was, how great he was, even in his simple life and how much of a difference he made for her. And, Krim is, you know, ever, ever the worst. And uh, he tries to tear her words down, but they have no effect on her. She just keeps talking like as if he's not saying anything to her. And uh, (laughs) he is, you know, beaten and bloody now kneeling before her. She raises the sword, but she can't do it. Uh, She tries over and over again. Can't bring herself to cut through him. And she openly says, like, something's wrong with me and asks out loud why she can't kill him. And then Supergirl appears above her with Comet's human body in her arms. And she says that maybe Ruth just needs some assistance. And Ruth asks who the body is. And she says it's Comet. Explains, you know, he was a, a cursed horseman who was in love with her. Blah, blah, blah. Silver Age nonsense, you know. But, um, uh, she, <laughs> but, she, but she says the pirates were, you know, kind of scared off for now. They retreated. Uh, but Krim has to pay. Supergirl then angrily takes the sword and raises it, telling Ruth that they don't need him. Uh, Crypto is actually going to be fine. And she took Ruth on this entire journey because she needed her to uh, or have her experience uh, the lesson of revenge not being the answer firsthand um, because she could see that. You know, something as simple as Kara just telling Ruthie that, like, you know, killing's wrong, and it 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 wouldn't work on her, and like, you know, her her rage fueled mind. And uh, but through this whole ordeal, Supergirl has kind of come undone through the events of this book, and uh, she thinks that Ruth didn't learn the lesson, and she's sort of, I guess, having like a crisis of faith. So yes. it seems like she's having and uh, she thinks like of all the death and destruction that they've seen, like following the brigands and uh, her memories of Krypton slowly dying, like, you know, her friend Comet dying and, and something just kind of has to give. And Ruth steps up, though, saying that uh, she did learn the lesson and she shouts it at her a bunch of times. And uh, she recounts everything that she was taught by Kara on their journey. She gives a long, impassioned speech that ends by basically telling Kara that there has already been so much death. There's no need for more. And I stay, uh, wait, what? Oh, instead what the universe needs are the legends of the righteous Supergirl. She has come to know and love and admire through their journey together. And she holds Kara's hand to bring the sword down and away from Krim. And she says that they must now find a just punishment for him and bury Comet and go see Crypto. And Kara kind of sadly looks at the ground and tells Ruth, Ruth is too big. We're too small. Just like they did on the, uh, the sad issue is through three. Um, and with that, uh, we cut to the epilogue of the book where an elderly Ruth is sitting at her homestead like her mom was at the beginning of the story. And, uh, we see a, not necessarily older cause she's Kryptonian, but, um, Slightly more uh, mature-looking Kara shows up with Crypto. She's she's more fancy-dressed, I think.
1: She, she's got a bob haircut. <laughs> yeah, now. yeah, that's how you know she's older. <laughs> yeah,
0: and her suit's like fancier-looking. <laughs> but um, uh, you know, she shows up with Crypto, and they go out to the field where her father was slain by Krim. Supergirl comments on uh the book that Ruth wrote about their adventures, and Ruth mentions how it embellished in some lies. And uh, we it's the implication that the book we've been reading and the narration is from that book. <laughs> the whole time uh they open up a portal to the phantom zone at this point and an old crim is released through there uh having spent several hundred years he is now remorseful and i guess reformed i mean like he's you know he he regrets everything he did and has spent all that time kind of repenting and uh he thanks supergirl And he sees Ruth, begins to apologize, and says that he's thought of nothing but her. But she quickly just hits him across the face, leaves him in the dirt, knocked out. Ruth, Crypto, and Kara then go their own ways. And the narration from Ruth's book ends the series by giving the false ending, which tells how Supergirl actually killed Krim on that beach. And that is the end of Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. That it is. (laughs) So, What an interesting ending. Yeah, yeah. I guess we could talk about the ending first. I mean, I got a couple of... uh, prompt things just uh mostly just about you know the writing and the art like we normally do but i'm uh yeah what'd you think of the of the ending
1: like i i liked the the misdirection in the beginning because it starts by saying that kara kills krem before ruth can get an answer of why he killed her father
0: Uh uh-huh
1: but then in this final issue Ruth kind of talks about like the nature of Kara and how she's like this beacon, all all those types of things. But then, but then, why write in the book that she kills Kram if, if she also wants people to know of like the nature of Supergirl? That part was kind of like confusing to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little strange. And the explanation they kind of give in this last issue is that they didn't want the um uh, pirates to like catch on to like what actually happened or something like that. Like it was, it was something weird about like it. Cause she says something about how like, let him like, she's an old lady and she's like, let him come now. Like, I don't care. Like I'll beat the hell out of him or whatever. You know? But, <laughs> but, uh, but there was some convoluted uh, like, you know, kind of hand wave like, Oh no, they did that. She, she wrote the false thing so that they could do this X, Y, and Z or whatever. But right. Uh, but, but then
1: w- they also said though, that if they had killed him, then they would try and get revenge anyway. So she basically said, that car. So maybe the the brigands still went after Kara but then left Ruth alone?
0: Maybe, yeah. I mean like I I think maybe it's just something like that. I'm not really sure. Yeah. I I guess they would have it out more for Kara in particular than anything, like, you know, <laughs> but but yeah. I I don't know. I think that the ending is is fun. It's kind of it unexpected. Fun. Uh, you know, there's it has some good cathartic release like with, you know, the the conclusion. Um, and yeah. I mean like it's very much, you know, like Tom King like Advertise this book before it came out as like, you know, it's Supergirl, but it's like a, a space Western. And I'm like, yeah, it, it feels like that, you know? So, I mean, and that's a cool genre and a cool idea. So, uh, we, we speaking of, um, uh, we, we talked a bit about Tom King, uh, beforehand, uh, when we got, before we got into the story and, uh, kind of his writing styles. Um, how does this one uh, stack up to your expectations? Like, uh, does it, uh, you know, I'm, I guess I'm curious if it stacks up to what you've read so far of his
1: like it's it's been consistent like I've liked both of the storylines that I've read like if you if you include like a strong emotional undertone in your narrative I'm going to like your comic that's what I connect to in stories so if the if I continue to read stories from Tom King and they continue to have that in them I'm going to enjoy them I I really enjoy Kara in this story mm-hmm. i think there's some great because uh, i do like doctor who so the feel of doctor who throughout the storyline fit very much in my wheelhouse
0: yeah yeah
1: and I totally but, see but, that <laughs> yeah Yeah. But, but yeah absolutely consistent so far consistent and i still like i mentioned i still have rorschach that i want to read i still have um what was the other one i mentioned
0: uh oh uh oh. did you say uh which one um is it Strange Adventures or? Uh...
1: No. I, oh, what? It's the, I said it in the beginning, how come I can't remember it? Whatever you people <laughs> listening will know what I said in the beginning, because yeah, for yeah, some no, reason fine. my brain escapes me now as the night goes on diminishing return for oh, my, <laughs> my faculties. Uh, but yeah, like I, I'm excited to, can continue to read more work from Tom King? I actually, I was at, so at San Diego comic con, we were, we attended the Eisners and after Tom King and Mitch Jarrett won their Eisner. Like they walked by, and I sh- like I shook Tom King's hand right yeah. after he won his Eisner. So <laughs> I, I'm excited to read more of his work. Yeah, uh, I actually my copy of Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow I actually bought directly from Tom King at WonderCon earlier this year, and so I have it signed by him.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, but yeah,
1: so just I, I'm going to keep the train going on with Tom King because he he's fantastic. Like I really do enjoy his writing, but I th- I feel like he makes you work a little bit to to get the most out of his story and that's not a bad thing
0: yeah yeah no i i I agree in that aspect where it's like he especially in these maxi series formats he excels at like actually just like really getting all of his ideas out on like a page and like you know a a three-act structure type thing and uh i i think that this one is no exception i i dig this story. I do think it's weird that it's eight. It's an eight issue series, but I also don't think it needed to be any longer or shorter for what it is, even though most of the time he works in, uh, twelves. <laughs> so it's like, it was kind of strange. And I, I remember, reading something about how he said that DC only gave him eight, which more says to me oh. that they just don't have confidence in Supergirl than anything. And, uh, which is the case that they should learn because this book is selling like crazy now, especially since apparently there's going to be a movie based on it, but we'll see. But <laughs> but anyway, the, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the narration, I think from Ruth in terms of the writing is probably my biggest critique, which I already mentioned earlier uh it gets more streamlined i feel like as the story goes on but it can be a challenge if you're trying to read multiple issues at a time i definitely had fonder memories of reading this when it was issue to issue uh just because like you know once a month i was like i felt like i was getting this whole complete thing in you know 28 pages but reading it all together it's like it's like oh this this is a lot to start (laughs) at first which we already mentioned but um i I guess the human target The Human human Target target
1: was the other book I was thinking of.
0: Human Target is great. Um, It might be one of my favorite things. I don't know. I need to reread Rorschach again. I haven't read it since we did the episode, but that is like, that blew me the hell away. I I was going to say, when you mentioned that you had Rorschach, I was like, be prepared for a very dark story, but it's great. Yes. <laughs> and it's super uh, excited. It's, it's surprisingly like amazing. I, I, I really dig it. When, if I ever get, if I ever meet Tom King again, I met him once and uh, it was before Rorschach ever came out or anything, but I would definitely have him sign that issue one that I didn't like at first. So it's, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead. We can move on and, and do two. I'm um, uh, a, yeah, i forget. Did you say you hadn't read anything with Bilkis Evely's art yet? Right. I have, not, I had not, no. Okay, so I, I just have to say, if it wasn't relevant from what we said during the issue breakdowns and whatnot, like I think that the art by Bill Casavely is insanely brilliant, detailed, and it fits the atmosphere of this book in such a perfect way. It's like, it's like her and Lopez, the colorist, because he has big pre- credit on this as well. Um, it's like they heard space western and they were like, we got this, easy, done. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs>
1: assignment understood.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I. I couldn't imagine. I know this is a stereotypical thing to say about like, you know, especially revered comic runs, but like, it's like, I couldn't imagine anyone else doing it. I couldn't picture this with different art and like having it be as, as great and effective as it is, you know, like it just, just doesn't work. (laughs) No, there,
1: there is a a definite tone that the art brings to the story and it it matches exactly what Tom King writes perfectly, but there's just this like stoic strength that kara has the entire time and like her facial expressions and just like the dynamic settings and her movement and like when kara is performing an act of strength or using one of her abilities you you like feel it coming off of the page it's not just there like you experience it which is a really cool element of reading the story
0: I very much agree. Yeah. It's a, every, you feel every movement, like all the motions, even, even the, the smaller like moments where the quieter like moments where it's like Ruth and her having a conversation. It's like, hell, even like the impact of like how it's uh, depicted when she teaches her how to wash her hands and stuff. Like it's a, uh, it's all like just very, very alive and very like just, uh, just powerful looking stuff. Um, I, I, I actually was going to say, as you would have reference for this, um, because uh, we've talked about this book before, but um uh she kind of reminds me of Sana Takata from uh yes, Um and, absolutely and I, I would say Sana Takata has more of the um kind of iconography, like you know, like they look very like coolly posed kind of thing. I mean she does motion pretty well as well, but I feel like Bocus Evley is like a more motion oriented Sana Takata, if that makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I totally, I totally see it. And
0: like the pencil like, lines and the shading and stuff are very similar kind of, you know.
1: Yeah. I like you can definitely see where the their similarities, but clearly like very distinctive. Like like book is heavily, clearly like as I move forward with reading books, if I see their art on the shelf, I'm going to know it's them. Yeah, it's very identical. The, the same fireball. way. Yeah. yeah, the same way I I'm going to recognize um Asana yeah. or or seeing like Stephanie Hans, or th- there's just something that's so clear about it, and that's that's one of the other like not influences I want to say, but like the like the space dragon mm-hmm. page two like that that time there, and I like I don't see Stephanie Hans there, but I, in my head, you know, there's just some artists where you're like, oh man, like this this type of page, I could totally see also being done by another artist. It's not. You're not like, oh, this looks like this artist. It's like, oh, like this has the same feel I get when I look at art from this other artist. It's more of a feeling rather than just being like, because none of these artists look exactly the same. Everyone has their unique it your, yeah, their of unique course. Like, yeah. way of of storytelling. But you can see where like, oh, this this artist reminds me of this one. And I don't I feel like sometimes people take that as a negative, but at this point we're we're not trying to like compare the artist, but we're trying to just say, Oh, I love this art. It also reminds me of this other art that I also really love.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say when you're pointing it out to uh, stuff that like you think is great, like I don't think you could take that as a, a a negative at all, you know. And and not to mention like you know we're talking about the same medium here, like you know multiple people who do comic art, they're gonna use a lot of similar techniques if they're great, you know. <laughs> like I mean, so it's a it's it it totally makes sense that you know it could evoke. But I do agree. I think Bill Casavely has a clearly defined identity in terms of of her art and whatnot so i mean like it's not like you know oh like it just it's just a a ripoff of you know whoever but like it's uh it it just with sana's work like on monstrous and stuff i that was like the closest thing my brain associated to it you know in terms of looking at it like but yeah um uh so i i do want to say okay in in a more general sentiment before we get to the end here um uh I'm going to give my biggest compliment and my biggest complaint about this book from the normal perspective just for it being a Supergirl book. Um, I think on the positive side, it is such a well-crafted and standalone story. I think anybody can find something here to latch on and you get a satisfying ending, which is rare in superhero comics. Um, and, in, and in all honesty, that's kind of what makes these tom king maxi series that he does for dc characters special like even if they aren't necessarily like in continuity or it's a different interpretation uh or they don't get a follow-up or whatever you get a good complete story and it's just some cool character work now on the negative side again with it being a supergirl book this isn't like any supergirl book i've ever read like at all (laughs) <laughs> like, 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 yes, there are a lot of cool old school continuity polls, you know, that are fun and interesting. You know, you got the the Mordru globe, the comet, you know, all that stuff. But, but this version of Kara, and I mentioned this before, doesn't really act like any version that I've come to know. And I think that there's positive and negative to that. Uh, you know, because again, is an ever changing character. They never seem to really know what they're doing with her, like at any given time, and. Honestly, I'm more familiar with like the Matrix Goop version Supergirl that Peter David wrote in the 90s. If you're talking like quantity of issues that I've read of Supergirl, that's the most I've read. (laughs) Like, you know, and, and so so my view may be skewed, but there are scenes where. like I said I pointed it out a couple times where it does take me out because Kara says some weird stuff that I am not expecting her to hear I do think though we really got onto something when we talked about issue six and it being like this retconning of like her history and it's that works so well as an explanation as to why she is the way she is in this story. And, and I appreciate that. So if you take that as a negative, as like if you're like this hardcore Supergirl fan, I could see you reading this and being like, what? <laughs> <You> know, But, <laughs> but you kind of have to like take it as its own thing. Like most Tom King maxi series, you know, They're, they kind of work in their own bubble the best, I think. Yeah, I
1: totally get
0: that. Yeah. But yeah, um, I said, you know, it doesn't take away from this story like if you just read it with tunnel vision it's just something i noticed rereading it this time around uh but yeah lance did you did you have anything before uh ask you the old big question
1: no i th- i think i i hit all of my bullet points that i wrote down that i wanted to include nice yes
0: i think we did a pretty thorough job so i think i think we're good to go but um that just leaves the the big one uh so supergirl woman of tomorrow lance is that a pull or a drop for you
1: Uh, Definitely a pull. I think everybody should read this book. It's super fun and heartbreaking at times and I think is a fantastic depiction of who Kara is Mm -hmm. and why she is the way she is like you just mentioned that that origin retcon like mind blown when I read that I loved it instantly this will forever be. Like the origin in my mind for Kara, it will not change, yeah, ever. So <laughs> it I, I it. it's think It's the best when,
0: one. <laughs> like <it's> exactly,
1: it. <laughs> I, I think when when a comic can make you cement an idea for a character in your mind of how you see them, it is a successful story. Very much, and so. and this is like. This is how I'm going to envision Kara moving forward in all of comics, whether that is a good thing or a bad thing for whoever else writes <laughs> Kara, because if they're not the same, I'm going to judge them.
0: Yeah, I I would like to see this version kind of go forward in like, you know, the, the modern continuity comics and whatnot, just because, I mean, I feel like this is kind of like, it was like a needed revamp, even if I like those old stories that I've read, like, you know, I'm like, Man, they they should differentiate Kara more and they and she should have more of the chip on her shoulder stuff, like, you know, and actually have it be relevant, not just be like a cool line that she has, you know. Like it's a Right. Yeah. I, I dig that. Yeah, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. I'm, I'm glad I got to got to talk this one with you. Like I said, it's a it's a cool book, and I'm glad I, you know, this is my excuse to go back to it. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: thanks for forcing me to read a book that's been on my shelf that I've been needing to read for months. Helping you now. I finally up. got to it.
0: See, we're, yeah, help, the, we're helping people catch up here. That's good.
1: <laughs> the ever expanding shelf is a struggle. And I need more time in the day to read everything that I buy,
0: dude. Same here, man. That's the that's the problem. That's the that's the worst problem to have. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I thought
1: moving more towards collected editions versus single issues would be the way to go. You're like you know I I'm not worrying about picking up the issues every single week for everything. So that means I'm going to have more time to read the collected edition. No, the collected editions are so much longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's like it's like no. I just need to set a a, a week away for this now. Like it's like yeah. <laughs> I totally get that, man. I, I've been trying to cull my poll list a bit lately, and like you know, reading less issues weekly and trying to catch up on all the collections I buy and stuff. But like, it's it's it, I'm slowly making some progress, but it's a it's it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Yes, <laughs> not the worst it's, challenge to have, I guess. But
1: no, an embarrassment of riches, but <laughs> the the overwhelming amount of riches can be. A Drowning Exactly
0: Yes (laughs) Well there you have it everybody Uh, Thank you for listening today If you want to support this podcast Please check out our Patreon At patreon.com Slash none of my friends like comics You can follow the show on Twitter At no comic friends for updates Email the show at None of my friends like comics At gmail.com And if you have a question or comment uh, Mark it okay to air We'll read it on the air Uh, Be sure to also check out Now listen to this That's a music podcast I do With some dudes from this show as well And uh, we dissect albums every other week It's a lot of fun. Uh, And lastly, if you like this show, please tell your friends and family who might be interested to give us a listen. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Lance, where can they find you and Comic Book Keepers one more time?
1: Yeah, of course. Well, before I even say that, again, thank you, Nick, for bringing me on. I had an absolute blast. An absolute (laughs) blast. Blast like I always do whenever I come on or when you come on our show. Uh, If you are interested in hearing me ramble about comic books, You can find Comic Book Keepers on social media at CBKCast, across the board, all social media, as well as on any of your favorite podcasting streaming platforms. We are there. Just type in Comic Book Keepers and uh, you'll find us.
0: Yep. And I will link it in the description and all that jazz as per usual. So thanks again for listening, everybody. Thank you, Lance, for coming on. And we will see you on the next page. Bye. (laughs) Bye.